Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for subscribing to 28 Days of Glory, daily segments of biblical principle taught by the right Reverend LaVon and Reverend Selena Breland. Well, good evening. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Of course, you know we are the church of the living God, and we are continuing to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but one that correctly handles the word of truth. I have a lot of information for you tonight. Um, get your Bibles out. Let people know that we are online studying the word of God. We're on part two of um Bible Scholars Boot Camp. Um, get your notebooks, and I'll be right with you in one second. Looking at my studio, I want to make certain that we are on before I get started. So let me look at the studio. Bear with us. We apologize for I'm seeing one thing on the studio in the Another thing, actually, so I don't want to mess up our information, but we're in for a treat tonight. Bible Scholars Boot Camp. I want to make certain that we are on the air. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, well, i got 24 minutes to make something happen. Let's get ready to start. Let's pray. Bible, Scholars Boot Camp, Part 2. Brilliance meets the believer's brains. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made me rejoice in the plan. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make bold and known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I do lean to depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide. To give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your ways. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people of ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You will turn with me in your Bibles today to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16. And 17, we're going to um, use that as our primary focus today, and we'll go back to to that toward the end, but we'll start out with this passage. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness, so that the man of God might be adequate, equipped for every good work. So there's a lot that the Scripture benefits to us, but I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is is what brightens the light of the word of God. The interest of the word giveth light, and it causes understanding. As a result of that understanding, we receive wisdom and knowledge to to govern ourselves accordingly as God would want us to do. Which also reminds me to remind you that we must develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what enables us to live the Christian life. And I can never get too tired of uh, or tired of talking about the Holy Spirit. Of course, in John, the 16th chapter, it gives the promise of the Holy Spirit as is explained by the Lord Jesus, verses 1 through 16. And in verses 17, 12, it reveals the proof and patterns of the, the effect of his role on us as Christians. And, and five things the, the Lord Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit would do. 
for us. Number one, he said he would guide us into all truth. Number two, he said he would speak only what he hears from God. Number three, he would only show us the things, he would show us the things to come. Number four, he shall glorify the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number five, he will impart the inheritance from Christ that is needed to exist in confidence. Hallelujah. So those those five things, the Holy Spirit will guide, he will speak, he will show, he will glorify, he will impart. And, and what is he imparting? That which the word of God contains. Here's principle number one for tonight. The word of God is a container of the will of God. The word of God is a container of the will of God. God's intent behind his content is captured in the capsule of the word of God. The word of God is like a capsule. Have you ever seen a capsule? It's not the outer shell that makes it the word. It's what it contains. And the word of God is alive and powerful. The scripture says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to, to discern and, and make sharp asunder the sword from the spirit. So God's word is powerful. It is productive. It's proficient. And we, we rely on the Holy Spirit to bring us experience through the word, to enable us through the word, to enlighten us by the word, and to empower us from the word, but also to eliminate those things that are contrary to the word. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and if the Holy Spirit is not embraced, then the believer will not become scholastic in the things that God has revealed through his word. The Bible tells us several things about the believer when it pertains to the word of God. It says that the natural man receiveth not the things of God. You heard me say that last week. Neither does he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. And then there are some other scriptures that I want to give you too as well because uh, here's one, for instance, uh, put down First Timothy. Now, what I just quoted for you was in that the natural man was in Timothy, Second Timothy, or Second Corinthians, rather. Um, verses 13 through, First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 is what I just quoted you. But I also want to remind you of, of a scripture found in First Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. It says, till I come give attendance to reading and, the exor- and, and to exhortion, which, is, which means the proclamation of the gospel, and to doctrine, which, which, it, which is a part. Now, when you listen to me on the broadcast, I am a disciplined doctrinal instructor, mandated by the Holy Spirit to show the house to the house, to be able to give a clear-cut deliberation over the things that God has prepared for his believers. So I'm not telling everyone to be like me, but there there is a – I wanted you to know that my my particular emphasis and my – my emphasis and my quality that God has anointed me to do is to teach doctrine. So often um, I'm that one, you know, that try to give the facts behind the facts, <laughs> you know, and to say, no, this is not just religiously inserted by traditions and culture. 
But this is why the scripture was written uh, through, through sound practices that can be repeated and applied irregardless of who you are, just because it's in the Word. And that's sound doctrine. Sound doctrine doesn't change based on cultural and cultural conditions and or preferences or even through the transformation of time. They work irregardless of who works them because the principles in the scriptures capsulize the will of God. Amen. So I wanted to bring that out, but it says, listen, we're still in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. It says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which lets me know if you have to give attention to the reading and the exhortion to doctrine, that you are neglecting your gifts when you, when you neglect the reading uh, of exhortion to, to doctrine, okay, which is given thee by prophecy. Now, prophecy here in this passage is the prophetic preservant of the will of God that's been documented through time, right? It says through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. So really they can't impart anything supernatural to you if the word of God has no proper place, meditate upon these things. Give thyself what? Holy to the to, holy to them. Give yourself holy to what? Give attendance to reading, to the exhortion, and to doctrine. Give yourself holy to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, unto the doctrine, and continue in them. And we emphasize that. For in this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So God has a bigger picture in, in enveloping your mind with the word of God. But if you don't set up a system by which you can learn God's word, you won't really expand yourself scholastically. And that's the attack on the believer. People are not destroyed because of a lack of spirit, but they are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And because they reject it, it, it perpetuates. The ignorance perpetuates down to the next generation. I want to make sure I reemphasize something that I said in part one. That biblical literacy is built through a life of discipline. I want you to understand that. A life of discipline, a legitimate commitment to a local congregation, and a listening spirit. So then they have ears, let them hear what the spirit has to say to the church. Because in that process, when you have built a spiritual literacy, five things happen to your spirit. The spirit man is the candle of the Lord. You begin to connect to the things of God because that's who it, what, what your real nature is. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit within the scripture says. But in that, you begin to get spiritual sensory. Number one is spiritual sensory. You get sensories because, you be, because you've applied the discipline of the word of God, which gives you spiritual skill, learning how to pray, learning how to communicate to God, learning, learning about God and how to incorporate what is written so that way you can exemplify the things that are perceived based on the impressions of what is written. All of those play pivotal parts in you growing and developing in God's nature. And that can only be achieved when you have a life of discipline, a legit commitment to a local congregation, and a listening spirit. And what's happening in the church is that the church culture and the place of worship is being changed to a self-help service, a motivational session, and and a source of entertainment to the point that the word of God is not held in high regard. So people don't memorize the word. 
They don't master the knowledge of, of learning the stories behind the passages. And so God is limited to really dealing with them because they don't have nothing to connect to. And this is what Timothy's admonishment, when Paul was addressing Timothy to prepare for the work of ministry, this was his admonishment to, to Timothy. Timothy, if you're going to do this, you've got to study to show yourself approved. <laughs> a workman that needs not to be ashamed, but one that can correctly analyze and uh, distinguish right from wrong, rightly dividing. What? God's word. Because if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, then you can ask what you want. Amen. We've got somewhere to go. We've got more to come. So we've already discussed the five roles of the Holy Spirit, um, how biblical literacy is built. We talked about, um, um, now we're talking about the five things that happen when we connect that process that takes place in the spirit. So first you get spiritual sensory. Then you get spiritual skills. Thirdly, you get selfless living. Selfless living, you learn how to serve without admonishing yourself first. And then you also learn sacrificial giving. But ultimately, you also learn supplication in the spirit, which means you're, you're able to pull on those reserves in any given situation at any given time. And this is why we have to empower biblical literacy because if you, if, if you don't have these skills and these, and these aspects of the spirit man at work in your life, you're, 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 you're limited. Now, now turn with me to Romans. And I just want to read one verse because I can get lost the eighth chapter. Verse 1, well, let's read um, verses 1 through See, you get lost in the scriptures. Let's go to one through six, okay. All right. Because we want, well, let's go through one through seven because we want to emphasize our title, our subtitle tonight, Brilliance Meets the Believer's Brain. That's what's happening. The brilliance of the Holy Spirit meets our brain. Amen. Now it says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That also lets us know that there is condemnation to those that are in, that walk in the flesh and not after the spirit. There is condemnation. So we need to make certain that condemnation, you know, is is an attack on the confidence that you have in God. With the insertion of fear or something that distracts you and to stifle your potential in God. For the law of the spirit, the law of the spirit is the word of God which is of the life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sins and death. And we know that the law of the Spirit is the word of God because anyone who looks in, intently into the word of God is blessed. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. They're communicating to us. They are laws because they govern our conduct, our conviction, and our commitment to the things of God. Now, it says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak, the law of sin and death, could not do it that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and forced him to them sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled, not on us, not around us, but in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they which are after the flesh do mind. Here we go. See, those who are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, 
um, uh, mind the things of the but they which are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit. It connects us back to Second Corinthians. That says the natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither does he know them because why? They are spiritually discerned. Amen. Now, so I, I wanted you to understand what the carnal uh, says, but the carnal mind is enmity, is an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, the word of God, neither indeed can it be, so that they which are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not of the flesh, but ye are in the spirit, and so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of you. But and if, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, and the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, we can keep going, but if the spirit of him which raised up Jesus from the dead uh, dwell in you, he that raised Jesus up from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. How does he do it? Through the word of God. Through the Word of God, and 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 that's what the world is waiting for us to experience, and that is the proof that comes through the power of the Scriptures of the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit affords us promises, and it, and it and it causes us to develop a system, and that system is staying in sync with the Holy Spirit. Now I wish I could take time to really try to identify your your system, but it is your responsibility as a believer to establish the system in which God has you. Now, there are some things you can do to enhance your system through study habits, and that's just the precept upon precept, jot and tittles of the word of God that can be applied that works regardless of who works them. But part of our relationship with God and our growing in the things of God is to is to envelop or to advance in 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 the spirit of God, I said last time that, that we get things when we, when we operate in the word of God, spiritual senses are heightened to where we become spiritually sensitive, we become spiritually nourished, we become spiritually authorized, we become spiritually perfected, and we also become spiritually um, designed, being able to distinguish that which is good from evil. But the Holy Spirit also empowers us to become scholars, to become superior. Why? Because he has the knowledge that we need to know to govern and go to the places which God would want us to be. And so when we approach the Holy Spirit, we need to approach him as my point number two. Reverence toward the Holy Spirit provokes us to see him as the intelligence of God, the intelligence of God. And I'll tell you, my friends, that being a scholar of the scripture, this is what makes and breaks the, the, the believers. Our reverence toward the intelligence of the Holy Spirit to give us the truth that we need to know so that we can govern and grow and gain access to the promises of God and, 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 and give us proof that the things that we connect to are, are working because we are connected to God. Amen. Now, Again, I said, you've got to perfect your study system. The scriptures, um, so the Holy Spirit, here's what he empowers us to do. Five things, write these down. The Holy Spirit empowers our ability to retain the knowledge of the scriptures, to retain the knowledge of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit also empowers our attention to details. He empowers our attention to details. 
And then he also empowers our access to experiencing the supernatural. He empowers our access to experiencing the supernatural. He also empowers our attitude to have confidence in extracting revelation from God. Cast not away your confidence, for in it lies great recompense of reward. Glory to God. And then he also empowers our applications to to ensure steps of victory through obeying what the Holy Spirit or what the Word has told us to do. And ultimately, the Word of God tells us to avoid and reject sin and to embrace and enable ourselves to exist in God's righteousness. And we're going to go into that scripture in Second Timothy chapter three. Now, three three basic enemies of spiritual scholastic development. Number one is religious jargons. You know, re- reciting passages for the sake of onlookers, repeating things provoked by spiritual influences that are not founded by the Holy Spirit, and then also just uh, rehearsing what you've seen without understanding. <laughs> rehearsing what you've seen in other Christians without understanding. That's a religious jargon. That's an enemy to the relationship that you should have with the Holy Spirit that will empower you to exist as a Christian in confidence because he's sent to reveal and lead and guide you into the truth. Second, second one is, is, is kind of connected to the first one, which is rhetoric you believe as gospel. Rhetoric that you believe as gospel. Old school would say mother wit. Or principles that you gender genderize based on based on what you think you are because you exist as a male or a female. Or or rehearse principles unfounded by God's directives. Rules created that have no scriptural validations, like rules for dating. What you doing dating? You're you're a Christian. Uh, rules for women, rules for men. No no man after the flesh. Those those rules and things can be limiting you because they're rhetoric that you believe as the gospel. And the the the, the key to 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 the brilliance connecting to your your mind is mind renewal. <laughs> it's being transformed. See, this is principle number three. In order for God to have access to your brain, he has to renew your mindset, first about him so you can believe, and about how to approach what he's communicated to you so you can achieve it. If if there's no mind renewal, then you're not not confident in, in acting out what he stipulated through his word. Hallelujah. So uh, rhetoric, um, you believe as gospel, comes from a regard for uh, um, through secular uh, commentaries and books over sacred convictions and scriptures. All of those those rehearsed principles and those rules created that have no scriptural validation, all of those are enemies to your spiritual scholastic development. Because the first thing the Holy Spirit will do or the first thing that God will introduce you to when he wants to expand your understanding about the scriptures is the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then thirdly, respect the persons, allowing others to take the place of the Holy Spirit to reveal truth that you need to know, development, having blind obedience through, uh, for religious leaders without understanding and knowing them that labor among you. 
And they're seeking second confirmations when the Holy Spirit has already stipulated instructions specifically for your particular walk. You're seeking a second confirmation. That is just as 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 rebellious as 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 somebody practicing witchcraft to get closer to God. Amen. And so we have to pay close attention to patterns like that, uh, so that we don't become negligent. Glory to God, uh, to um, to um, become negligent to achieving God's best, because God wants brilliance to meet our brain, and the only way He's going to bring it is through His Spirit, because He can guarantee that what His Spirit says is going to be exactly what He wants you to know. So the Holy Spirit of God is the intelligence of God, and we must learn that. Now, before we go to Second Timothy chapter three, let me give you some some things, and then I, I guess we'll get more into interpretation in the last one on tomorrow. Yes, um, on tomorrow's lesson. Now, what I want to, I want to, what you need to allow the Holy Spirit to do in your life as a believer and as a, as a, uh, uh, as a scholar you need to allow him to do several things. Number one, you need to allow him to give you classification. Classification. You need to uh, allow him to give him the ability to identify things in Scripture to you that serve as standards that cannot be broken through you. Then also, you need to also allow him to have preparation to prepare your heart during the process. So where he can give you skills in in-depth studies of who God is and prepare you to receive power when you provoke yourself to pray to achieve those things that God has planned for you to have. For those who he did for me, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of himself. Glory to God. So God wants you to connect to Christ so much that you're identified with Christ. And in order to do that, you got to allow him not only to distinguish what is him and what's not and what he wants you to know and what he doesn't want you to know. But you got to also allow him to prepare things for you. I love the, the scripture in the Psalms that he prepares a table before me. But you got to let him prepare it. Right? And then also, not only do you need classification, preparation, you need meditation. Meditation is where you allow things to roll over in your mind. And let me insert something in this meditation process. You can't meditate on anything you haven't memorized. And and when I uh, I began to uh, write some of the outlines uh, a while back, I I was thinking that you know there's an attack on scriptural memorization because there's a there's an idiosyncrasy out there that makes it seem like you can know scripture without the knowledge of the scripture. You know, like you can know about it because again that's that. That's that rhetoric that you believe as gospel versus the actual gospel. And so you got a lot of people that will say stuff. He may not come up when you want him, but he'll be right there on time. You'll hear so much of that in church that you might think that he may not come. <laughs> when he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you make your bed in hell, I'll be there. But see, because it's been rehearsed, God, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Unto you is given to know the mysteries of the gospel. And he said, I will write the laws on your hearts and minds. So he wants you to know. 
in all that giving, get an understanding. But, oh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You don't know what he's doing. God don't make sense. Yeah, he does. The whole role of the, of the purpose of, of the Holy Spirit is so that he can transform you by the renewing of your mind. The, the brilliance of the Holy Spirit wants to meet your brain. But if you don't have a, a process of memorizing the scriptures, then that will, that will contradict, religious rhetoric will contradict the, the actual truth which can transform you. Anything that can transform you based on application is revelation. Hallelujah. We've got to go on. All right. So, so the, uh, not only is there classification, preparation, meditation, there's interpretation. Because he wants to get into the, uh, the passage of the scriptures and, 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 and reveal things to you so you can have illumination and then have a true inspiration. Now, it brings us to, to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is inspired. How do we get inspired? It's been classified. It's been prepared. We've meditated upon it. We've interpreted. We've received illumination, so we're inspired. Now, I submit to you, when you don't have classifications, preparations, meditations, interpretations, and illuminations from the Holy Spirit, you won't have inspiration. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you can ask, what you're willing to be given, right? You'll have access. But all scriptures are inspired by God and are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good. Now, before I break down that scripture into the five things um, that the word of God inspires us to do, which we'll close on for tonight, I want to give you the categories of the Bible. The Bible is a covenant-coded book. It's a covenant-coded book, and it must be translated over time. But you have to know the categories in order to find the code, and the code is covenant, all right? And I don't have time to, to really indulge into that, but there are eight categories of the Bible, law, history, poetry, prophecy, gospels, history, letters, revelation. Now, what they, what they do is they divide the 66 books into subject matter so that you can learn um, the emphasis behind the content that is expressed during those sections. And, and it's, it's in those sections that we, we can easily identify when we know the sections and what they are about, the law, the history, the poetry, the prophecy, the gospels, the histories, and the other letters and the revelations, that we can, we can then have confidence to approach God about what he's concerned about. And, and in order to do that, you need to be able to have a class. And this is in classification. This is in, this is in the meditation. This is in the interpretation phase of the Bible. Hallelujah. Now listen, the first five books, Genesis to Deuteronomy is the law. Genesis to Deuteronomy is the law. The law teaches us the order of God. All right? Then the second one, history, is, is Joshua through Esther. Teaches us the history of the Jewish culture or his story, how God involved himself with the Jewish people from, Judge, uh, from Joshua to Esther. Which, uh, and then from Joel to Songs of Solomon is poetry. It, is a, it, it expresses our love and devotion toward God through prayer and through lyrical 
um, harmonies that, that um, paint a picture for us to trust and have confidence in God. And that's to Job and the Songs of Solomon. Then there is prophecy, which teaches us the voice of God, the, the prophecies of Isaiah all the way to Malachi. Then there are the Gospels of history, Matthew to John and the book of Acts, right? Which, which Gospels are the good news concerning Jesus. What is that history of there? The history of the church is the second history, right? The history of the church, which in those histories have letters to the church, which are the epistles, Romans through Jews. And then there is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the confirmation of all things. What it brings out, it brings out Jesus is our Savior. Jesus has set us free. Jesus longs to see us exist in successful life. Why? He's the revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you understand these things, you'll never get lost in the Bible. Why? Because you understand the categories of the Bible. Law, history, poetry, prophecy, gospels, history, letters, revelation. And if you learn the categories, it'll be easy to classify things as to how it relates to you. And, and that, that revolutionary approach to the scriptures will give you confidence for the Holy Spirit to translate. So when the Holy Spirit is taking you to Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus or Deuteronomy, he's trying to get you some order. He's trying to show you how things were corrupted so you can correct it and confront it and change it so you can be conformed back to the, the original place that God wanted you to be in the first place when he created you and fashioned you. Uh, or if he takes you to the history book, he wants you to have accounts just like uh, the, the, the people uh, of Joshua through Esther who trusted in the Lord, who leaned not to their own understanding, acknowledged God, and God directed them and brought them out triumphantly. Or he might take you to the Psalms, and he, uh, Psalms from Job, to um, the Song of Solomon, where there was wisdom, knowledge, and talent through lyrics and harmony, and you learn how to pray and communicate to God so you can get familiar with the Lord, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see what I'm saying? To develop trust. But then he may take you to the Gospels of history, where history was altered through the good news that came through the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or it may be when, when after Jesus ascended that he imparted the Holy Spirit to be enabled to live the Christian life, that we learn the letters of the church and the history of the church, which we are, existing as the people of God that are empowered by the Spirit of God internally, so we exemplify it externally. And through that, we give glory to God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, who made it possible. And those, those categories help us, help the Holy Spirit to connect what we should know in order to grow as, as Christians. Amen. So here, the Word of God has been inspired. And if you allow that process to develop, to giving clear, concise attention, a life of discipline, a legit commitment to, uh, to, to the local congregation and the listening spirit, then you'll be inspired. And when you're inspired, the first thing the Holy Spirit is going to do is teach you some things. See, teaching is, is doctrine. It's what the Word of God says about any particular subject, what should be true, what should be untrue. What's absolute? What is primitive? What is what is progressive in nature? And then reproof, where 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 the Holy Spirit exposes areas to for you to consider thinking and modifying your behavior according to God's verdicts and decrees. Or it could be correction, 
direct implications from the scriptures where you should be exemplifying Christian standards over cultural norms. Or it could be training in righteousness. Now, this is the part that I wanted to close on for tonight. When the brilliance of the Holy Spirit meets your brain, the first thing he gives you is the thing that says, that's right. Amen. That's right. I want you to achieve what's right. God's a good God. He wants us to achieve what's right. And we achieve what's right with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we've got to change our regard for the Holy Spirit so that we can have confidence to live right. And ultimately, those things that are inspired of us in the scriptures are to enable us to experience, because training involves experience through application and activate, activating ourselves to, or enabling ourselves to act out what we believe. Not only to be hearers of the word, but doers, because if, if, we're, if we're hearers and not doers, we're deceiving ourselves, the scripture says. But if we allow the word of God to be inspired to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, to train us, then we will be adequate, equipped for every good word. Let's pray. Father, we are embedding ourselves in these principles and these virtues, not to become religious, but to be better, to be renewed in our righteousness so we can exist before you and accomplish what you have placed us here to do. We thank you for the grace that's just provided through the Lord Jesus, through his spirit that enables us to live this Christian life. We praise you and we glorify your holy name in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Would you repeat after me? I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then God raised Jesus from the dead. I thank God for the work that he did for me at Calvary. If you did that, you're born again. And I pray that you're sealed to the day of redemption, that, that the Holy Spirit would develop your mind so that you would walk and talk and experience the power of God for living in a greater measure. And I pray that you would get in a Bible-believing teaching church where they can translate truth to you through the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms you by the renewing of your mind. In Jesus' precious name. Well, we're going to continue on in the Word, and we're going to go further in the Believer's Scholastic Boot Camp. God bless you, and good night.